0: are biased. The Idaho Press Club are biased. All media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide. Today, we will be talking about leadership versus the easily led in fact uh, this is kind of a quandary that we face in many areas of society but never so much in uh, in when it, when it comes to politics and the exercise of political power um, there are very few leaders out there there are a lot of people who are easily led and even worse there are people who think it's their prerogative to well not so much lead as compel people to do whatever it is that that they say so uh, let's uh, let's first of all jump in with uh, with an example of the easily led And uh, and I have a great example. Sadly, this is uh, this is involving uh, one of our favorite reporters. That would be uh, the dear uh, Kelsey uh, Mosley Morris, who uh, reports. uh, She's a how can I put this? She's a reproductive rights reporter. In other words, she's she's an abortion defender and abortion activist for a number of news organizations. uh, Spent a lot of time writing for I believe was the Idaho Capital Sun and so forth. But uh, she's shared this on Twitter and and I share this with you not to to denigrate her or to to make fun of the fact that she she has a positive COVID test. That's what she's sharing here. But she says, I post this positive COVID test as a warning to anyone traveling since I heard someone scoffing at mask wearing at the airport. My colleague caught it while traveling a couple of weeks ago as well. I wish I had worn a mask. The 102 degree fever all day yesterday was no picnic. Now, again, this, this is not to gloat over the fact that, that she became ill, but she's still trying to push the narrative. She's still trying to cling to that, that tired old trope of, well, you know, if they'd only worn a mask, none of this would have happened. Kelsey, we're so far past that now. You can let it go. It's understood generally by people who think that masks do nothing to prevent the transmission of the COVID virus. And for that matter, the COVID virus itself has mutated to the point where it is endemic, meaning, yes, you can test positive for it. And you may end up with 102 degree fever for a couple of days. And, and it may make you feel crappy, but it is not nearly the threat that it once was. So what I what I'm poking fun at here and, and what I'm actually trying to call into correction is her attitude that, well, if people would just do what they're told. No. Look, we, we already know the masks did not work. How do we know this? Because people still got the virus anyway. We know the vaccines did not work as advertised. Why? Because people still got the virus anyway. In other words, the virus behaved exactly as as respiratory viruses always have behaved, and it spread through the population until it was endemic. Now, thankfully, the the death rate was much, much lower than, than what we were told. But think of, just remember, you know, the blood red numbers and, and red and black background, the alarming, you know, fear driven, you know, narrative. Oh, it's so terrible. Look at all the cases. Look at all the positive tests and so forth with no real context. I mean, we had the impression, oh, my gosh, people are just dropping dead like flies and they weren't. Now, the virus could be deadly and was deadly to some people who were in a very compromised state of health. The very elderly, people with immunodeficiencies or chronic diseases like diabetes or heart disease. Okay, that doesn't make their deaths any less tragic. But the tragic part is the news media and reporters like Kelsey milked it for all it was worth and promoted fear. And now she's promoting fear with a little side helping of guilt that, uh, well, it's still out there. Well, of course it is. But if you're still wearing a mask or you're insisting other people should be wearing a mask to, you know, show that they're on board, I'm sorry, dear, but you are part of the problem. It's time to, to grow up and come into the real world. All right. Now, having said that, speaking of growing up and coming into the real world, now that COVID has died down and it has as a crisis, at least a crisis that can be utilized to, uh, to justify huge expansions in government power, drastic measures that have never before been undertaken, which it was used to do. climate is the new crisis that we're facing. And you can see this, I mean, look at the reporting right now over, you know, oh, it's so hot. Well, it's, it's, it's like the middle of summer out there. Well, duh, it, it is summer, <laughs> imagine that. But the way it's being reported, same thing. Where before you would see, you know, a reasonable map of, okay, here's, uh, you know, green mountains and here's blue for the lakes and whatnot. And, oh, look, a bright yellow sun indicating that uh, it's going to be sunny and hot today. No, now it's like blood red and fuchsia and all these bright colors that indicate danger. And it's never before been so hot. It's, you know, I mean, we had a member of Congress talk about this is the hottest recorded day in 120,000 years as if. 120,000 years ago, they were accurately recording temperatures, and so that's how we know. Someone is trying to make us afraid, and sadly, the easily led are buying into it. Uh, Let me give you an example of what that looks like. This is our good friend Shiva. Shiva's back and was attending, apparently, a press conference in which a young girl, um, Elise Josie, mustered up every ounce of courage to interrupt White House Press Secretary uh, Karine Jean-Pierre and urged the Biden administration to stop approving new coal, oil, and gas projects. Now, she didn't really interrupt her. The White House Press Secretary would have shut her down if it wasn't part of the script or part of the plan. The climate crisis is here now, she says. POTUS, listen to Generation Z scientists and frontline communities. And Shiva, is as a reliable, easily led cheerleader, also reaches out to the president of the United States. Young people are tired of your performative allyship. Oh, such big words. We want real climate action. And what do you suppose that looks like? Shiva says, stop hiding behind Republicans in Congress. Stop approving new drilling projects. Declare a climate emergency now. Well, gee, that that's going to solve the problem, isn't it? If we just give government more power... If we just allow it greater control over our lives, let the central pl- planners fix this for us, take our money, take our freedoms. oh, we can we can solve this climate crisis, but it has to be done as a climate emergency. Now i wish I wish I were pulling your leg. I wish that this was tongue-in cheek. This is the new emergency, and it's going to be pushed. Watch for it. It's going to be pushed as an existential crisis, and it's it's already got young, easily led. You know, comrades, you know, the next generation calling for heavy-handed government in order to fix it. By the way, I have to give credit here to to one of the best call-outs for, for Shiva's uh, tweet. This is from uh, KRCC, who says, many David Hogg, who constantly says he wants to protect our democracy, wants executive rule. Sounds pretty fascist. It really does and the problem is i don't i don't think shiva understands that at all and by the way what about the, you know the scientists yeah what about the scientists and the experts who also say that it's a climate emergency and we need to do something about it well let's keep in mind you know 97% of climate scientists agree they don't want to be defunded you better believe they're going to dance to the tune of what's being called here and that is you know come on push the narrative tell people it's scary tell them it's a big bad terrifying, you know, crisis that only more government can fix. Sorry if I sound like a skeptic, but I am a skeptic. Mainly it's because the solution that's being proffered is so self-serving. I don't believe for a moment that they really have our, our best interests in mind. So this is what the easily led are buying into. This is what the easily led will gravitate toward. Let's talk about leadership for a moment. I don't know, Brandon Durst, personally i i don't know the guy from from anybody but i have watched rather closely since he was appointed as the superintendent of west bonner county school district and i see some really interesting signs of leadership from this guy and this is not to say that he walks on water he teaches crippled children to walk in his spare time he is just someone who has has shown the ability to go into the lion's den so to speak and i'm i'm being complimentary here i'm not i'm not uh, i have i have much harsher ways of describing some of the the crowds that he's been willing to address and and endure prolonged questioning and struggle sessions from. But the guy has stepped forward and I think uh, come forward in good faith and heard people out and appears to be moving forward with solutions. Now, I want to give credit to uh, IdahoEdNews.org because I think they actually did a pretty fair and balanced kind of approach on this. Uh, Durst does not get this very often. So from, from much mainstream media, he's, he's really just, you know, well, who does he think he is, this unqualified, this, 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 this freedom-minded, this conservative, this, I think maybe they would use the term far-right kind of individual. So when I saw the headline that uh, talked about how West Bonner wants error corrected before submitting Durst's application, I was very curious, how are they going to spin this? And I was pleasantly surprised to see it's actually a pretty fair and I think even-handed article. So to go into some detail here, West Bonner leader Brandon Durst is adamant that his emergency, notice they don't call him superintendent because it's, it's not official just yet, but he is the acting superintendent. Um, he is adamant that his emergency provisional certificate application is forthcoming, but at the moment, there's a problem precluding him from applying. West Bonner is not submitting the application due to a state board of education procedural error. The State Department of Education and West Bonner don't agree on how to interpret an Idaho code that governs the certificate process. So, Brandon, according to Durst, the district won't apply for the provisional certificate until the state board corrects an application error that occurred with the previous superintendent's certificate. Durst said in a telephone interview, the state board has acted in contravention to Idaho law. It's their responsibility to fix their mistake I can't apply for my provisional certificate until they have done their job. So in the meantime, though, he's not sitting back and just, well, there's really nothing I can do. So on page six of the state board emergency application, Durst noted a provision that requires a school board to declare an emergency for the superintendent's position and then record this declaration in official board minutes. Now, he says there's no question that's what the law says, but that didn't happen for his predecessor. Isn't that interesting? And yet she was acting superintendent for some time. A longtime administrator, Susan Lucky, served as interim superintendent following the resignation of Jackie Branham in March. The state board approved Lucky's provisional certificate in June, according to Scott Graff, communications director for the State Department of Education. In a statement on Monday, Graff wrote, Idaho Code 33-1203 establishes that provisional certificates can be granted only after emergencies are declared. The code does not specify that one application or certification is or can be dependent upon another. All right, that seems uh, fairly straightforward. As soon as the state board corrects its actions, we will proceed accordingly, says Brandon Durst. Now, even though the state says Durst is eligible to apply, what if West Bonner stands by its interpretation? Well, Graf says Idaho code requires administrators to be certified. If an individual holds that position without being certified as a superintendent, there's a case to be made that they would be in violation for that particular code. So the waters aren't exactly clear. Now, outside of calling a special meeting, the state board's next meeting is set for October 18th, and the provisional certificate application deadline for the October meeting is August 16th. If Durst does apply and the application is not approved, yet he remains superintendent, well, then a funding reduction can be imposed for the superintendent's full salary. Says uh, Sina Lackey, director of certification and professional standards. The emergency certificate is required because Durst did not meet all the requirements to obtain a superintendent endorsement when the district hired him. Now, this was understood going in. This is not like something he just, you know, was hiding from them and has been, you know, trying to stay out of the media spotlight, you know, to avoid any kind of scrutiny. Because of the failed two-year $9.4 million supplemental levy in May, Durst and other board trustees are facing a budget shortfall that could threaten cherished programs. Okay, now some people, teachers and some parents, view these uh, these cherished programs as entitlements. But where you're dealing with taxpayer money... Um, Sometimes you you have to learn that the word no applies to you as well. Durst did confirm, I'm confident that we'll have a good percentage of the money that we need to be able to operate our extracurricular and co-curricular activities. So sports is not off the table just yet. That confidence is predicated on rebuilding the budget to make sure that the numbers we have are accurate and to ensure that we've got confidence that what we're proposing is actually going to be accomplishable by our district. That's according to Durst. Now, to fill in gaps, they're not using money allocated for teacher salaries. Durst said, we won't be taking that money away from teacher salaries that otherwise had been specifically identified for that purpose or for special education or anything else. Any dollars that are designated for a specific purpose, regardless of the source, whether federal or state, those monies will be spent for their intended purpose. And he says, I think it's important for people to understand that the budget process that this district has been using prior to my starting my position here wasn't great. And in fact, uh, Casey Whalen, among others, has been doing some very good reporting on the different uh, monies that have been found that uh, were were squirreled away, maybe not necessarily in an illegal way, but uh, things were not happening in the light of day as they should, and there needs to be transparency. Now, board chairman Keith Rutledge's comments during a town hall meeting has raised ire among the community after presenting a list of academic grievances that characterized West Bonner as one of the lowest performing districts in the state The chairman expressed that teachers don't deserve a raise this year. Now, I know the knee-jerk reaction is, of course teachers deserve a raise. They're teachers after all. But let's set the emotions and the the knee-jerk reaction aside for just a moment and ask. If there is underperformance, and maybe it's not fair to blame it all on teachers, but if they're not meeting the intended goals or the the, uh, promised, they're not delivering the promised level of performance, Maybe that is something that needs to be in in consideration. I, I don't know why this would be sacrosanct, other than the fact that but they're teachers, Brian, and this is you know this is taxpayer money, and they they deserve it. It's their money. It's not their money. My wife is a teacher. I would love to see her get a raise too. But let's let's be honest. The taxpayers are a consideration that have to come into play here. And and again, if there's low performance, we need to start looking at why is that performance low. That's not blaming it all on the teachers. But again, it's just not. It's not a matter of it's a slam dunk and nobody can question this. We should be questioning this as well as a few other things. Now, to boost morale and show them support, a local fourth grade teacher gathered more than 100 uplifting personal stories from former students and parents about West Bonner educators. That's wonderful. But again, it still doesn't entitle them to an automatic raise or automatic you know, access to the taxpayers' pockets. Durst says, I also think there's been some misreporting around our commitment to supporting our educators. He said, I think we want educators who are committed to providing academic excellence to our students. We want to fund academic improvement and outcomes. There are approximately 20 teacher vacancies, a number that's high even for a district with chronic retention issues. Durst said, this year has an even has a higher number than even normal, although it's not unusual when there's a change in leadership, no matter who it is. He said, I'm willing to acknowledge that maybe by coming in, I made that even more prevalent than it otherwise would have been in other circumstances. By the way, that's, I mean, that's a pretty fair admittance on his part. Well, may, and there may have been some people who said I'm out of here because they knew there was a change in leadership or they had some specific objection to him, but it's not like, Oh, he came in here and started slashing teachers right and left. Durst believes the district's aggressive and creative recruiting is producing applications from qualified candidates. We've had some people from out of state apply for positions with our district, people who would just be all-star teachers in any school district in the state of Idaho, and they've applied for positions here. So he says we're excited about the quality of talent that we're attracting. I think we're actually going to have a stronger staff next year in a lot of ways than we've had many years in the past. Now, I was watching some video provided by Casey Whalen on Twitter um, that was ta- showing, you know, Dustin meeting or, sorry, Brandon meeting with uh, with some of these uh, these educators and some of these parents and fielding questions about, well, you know, what are we going to do when we have this shortfall of teachers and how are we going to attract qualified teachers? And a point that he made that I think has to be taken into consideration is, you know, West Bonner County does not have, the, the school district doesn't have the kind of deep pockets that uh, can be found in districts, you know, just across the state line, say in in Eastern Washington. In fact, uh, he was pointing out in Washington state, you will find a greater concentration of millionaires and billionaires and companies like Amazon and Boeing and so forth that uh, that make it a lot easier for them to fund their their public schools. That's not a luxury that uh, that he has in his district. And so he just asks people, kind of keep that in mind, you know, that we're doing the best we can, but it's hard to compete when, when these teachers can just, you know, take a short drive across the, the state lines and take a job with another district. Okay, that's again, he's not trying to run from the truth. He's not trying to hide from it, but uh, he's he's doing the best he can to attract people. I know there were concerns, well, are they going to be properly qualified? And that's that's actually one of the concerns that they have for him as well. Does the superintendent have the qualifications to lead West Bonner? Durst said, I think that there's been a lot of journalistic laziness because they keep pointing to this one thing I don't have, which is that's I believe that's the four years of teaching um, under his belt and but but when i'll show you the the requirements here in a moment everything else he checks off the boxes the reality is the administrative rules don't create a hierarchy of which which requirement is more important than another an administrator certificate with a superintendent endorsement requires the following so these are the things that that uh, are required before they can issue that certificate and durst possesses possesses each of those listed requirements except the 4 years spent working in a school. He says there's been a lot of misreporting around that. The reality is I have more boxes checked than any other finalist. If critics are going to be consistent, they should at least be consistent in recognizing I'm more qualified at least in terms of eligibility for the endorsement. So here's what some of those qualifications look like. Doctorate or comparable doctorate degree or comparable education, an education specialist or doctorate degree, or having completed a comparable post-master's sixth-year program at an accredited college or university. Here's the one he doesn't have, four years spent working in a school, four years of full-time certified licensed experience working with students while under contract in an accredited school setting. Administrative internship, that would be completion of an administrative internship in a state board-approved program. For the superintendent endorsement, or have one year out of, of out of state experience as an assistant superintendent or superintendent. Now there's just a few more qualifications here, and again, these, these are things that he checks off. Completion of a postmaster's school superintendent program, provide verification of completion of an approved program of at least 30 semester credit hours of postmaster's degree graduate study for the preparation of school superintendents at an accredited college or university. This program in school administration must include demonstration of proficiency in conducting instructional and pupil service staff evaluations based on the statewide framework for evaluation and demonstration of competencies in the Idaho Standards for Superintendents and the Idaho Standards for School Principals. And also a recommendation. Receive an institutional recommendation for a superintendent endorsement. So I know the hyper focus of, well, there's that one thing, though, as if, you know, all these other things in his background um, don't, you know, don't contribute to his qualifications. And I think it's worth pointing out, too, uh, the problems that are being faced right now in the West Bonner County School District are problems that existed before Durst ever came on the scene. So just something to consider. He hasn't had a chance to screw it up, and I know there are some people who are begging that he will or even just hoping that he will so they can feel justified in in feeding him to the dogs. But, you know, if if you could see the, the kind of crowds that he faces and the hostility, just open hostility that they have for him, it's way out of proportion for anything that he has done or, for that matter, anything that he's even said. And when he's facing these folks, He's very, uh, very down to earth as far as uh, he's, he's actually quite patient, much more patient than I think a lot of people would be. Now he says, it's hard, it's stressful, but I enjoy it. When it comes to uh, becoming a superintendent, he says, I've always wanted to do something like this, and the reason is because I know the impact education can have on somebody's life. I also recognize the need to have educational leaders who see things differently and do things differently. I think this is what scares some of the uh, establishment types. And so the opportunity to do that and to be part of it is pretty exciting for me. I mean, that's a pretty positive way to look at things, especially when you've got people standing right in front of you sharpening their knives. I did like this tweet that he sent out, and and man, the, the comments, oh, the pettiness that, that, that followed. Brandon sent out a tweet that said, leaders who are intimidated by mobs aren't leaders. Leaders who constantly look for public approval over the public good aren't leaders. Leaders who do what needs to be done, even if it costs them everything. That's the sort of leader that I aspire to be. And again, I don't know the guy personally. And I'm not trying to sell you on him as, you know, the, the answer to everybody's prayers, but I'm telling you, I'm impressed with what I've seen in his patience and dealing with his critics, his willingness to step up and, and be criticized and called out and to face things squarely. I think, uh, I think you've got some real qualities of leadership on display here. How about give the guy a chance? How about give him the option, you know, of, of actually showing what he can do and let's revisit this, you know, after the school year and, and we can see, we'll have at least some, some benchmark by which we can see, did things get worse? Did things get better? Was he able to solve problems? You know, nobody's, well, not nobody, but, but a lot of people are not even willing to give him that chance from the get-go. Something about that seems terribly wrong, or at least it seems terribly, um, terribly politically motivated. That's the part I don't get. You know, he, they're very threatened. Some of the administrators, some of the teachers, some of the parents. And you have to wonder, why would they be so threatened? What What is it? I have to wonder if it's just the fact that maybe it's not someone who is a reliable leftist that, uh, you know, that they can count on to toe the party line and to to march in solidarity with them, as our friend Shiva would say. Well, maybe, maybe the school's not the best place to be uh, trying to, uh, you know, ideologically program kids into left-wing thought. And maybe this represents a challenge to those who thought they had an easy, clear shot at doing that. I don't know. Give the guy time, though. Let's see what he can do. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide are biased the idaho press club are biased all media newspaper radio to be completely blunt here brian and there are plans to expand indoctrination that's right well, idahoans are also concerned horror shot that line would be moving a little bit farther west i'm like crying nobody wants to dark see money is influencing policy in our state well that's not how this works